Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Hello everyone, it is such a deep honour to be bringing the word today. My name is Adelaide, if we haven't met... And I am so excited to share what God has been speaking to me. I know it is a video sermon, but why don't you just posture yourself in expectancy? Because I really believe God has put a specific word on my heart for our church in this season. So if you haven't already, why don't you grab a journal, maybe a pen, maybe even your phone notes, and just lean into what God is trying to speak to us today. But here we are. It is 2020. It is a new year. I'm sure you're all cheering really excitedly and not exhausted at all by that. (laughs) I'll be honest though, as exhausting as this new year period has been, I love New Year's. I love New Year's Eve. I love the sparklers. I just love this time of year. One of my favorite things in particular about the New Year's period is all the posts on social media that people do around this time of year. In particular on Instagram, you know what I'm talking about, where people gather all these photos and videos from the year that has been, and they often write a insightful reflection caption with their reflections on the year and their hopes for the year to come. And I love it. I love reading and seeing all these beautiful memories of people's years. I will say, though, there is something in particular about the posts people are doing from the 2021 recaps, has got me a little confused. Because I'm looking through all these photos and videos of people's memories from the year. And there's all these photos of people smiling. There's all these photos of people like, I don't know, enjoying themselves. There's videos and photos of wine tours, holidays interstate, brunch with the gals. And I'm like, That's not my 2021. (laughs) I look through these photos and I think, did the person who posted this and me, did we go through the same 2021? Did we experience the same 365 day period of time? Because my 2021 recap would look a lot more like, I managed to shower consistently in 2021. Ooh, that's a win. But that doesn't make for a good Instagram post. And look, I don't say any of this to be cynical of the people who actually had a really amazing 2021. If that's you, all the power to you and your brunching and wine touring. But I do say this more so just to name it, that 2021 was a really exhausting year. And just managing to scrape by was a bit of an accomplishment in and of itself. And as a result, let's just name it, we're all entering into 2022 pretty flat and exhausted. But I've noticed something really interesting that's happening in response to this fatigue that we're all feeling going into this year. It's what I am calling the false optimism movement. That's not a legit thing, that's just what I've named it. It's basically this collection of positive affirmations that people are posting, particularly on Instagram, in an attempt to hold onto some sense of hope going into the new year. Now let me share with you one particular Instagram account that I've come across that is doing exactly this. The Instagram account is called Girls Building Empires. And you can tell by the account name, it is very much 
a girl boss feminist girls taking over the world kind of Instagram page. But this is one of the posts they made in the lead up to New Year's. By the way, this account is not satire. By this time next year, you will be, and it's one of those posts that you slide through, by this time next year, you will be eating in your new house, looking at your new car, traveling wherever you want, whenever you want. Not that we're in a world pandemic or something. Living your dreams and loving every moment of your life. And the last slide, claim it, sis. What? <laughs> I like that the caption says, leave a 100 emoji to claim it. Like, wow, commenting an emoji on this post can secure me a new house and a new car? I'm in. I'm there. By the way, you might be thinking, who actually buys into this stuff? I don't know. Maybe the 2.2 million people who follow the account. Maybe. But here's the post that I saw from this account on New Year's. That made me just pause for a second and ask a question. This is the post. Your next 365 days are going to be better than your last. Your blessing is coming. Claim it, sis. They really love that phrase, claim it, sis. Like, what does that even mean? But here's the question I couldn't help but ask when I saw this post. What if things do get worse? I know, you're probably like, Adelaide, do not ask that question. We've been going through it for the past two years and the last thing I want to do is think about the potential that this next year could be worse than the last two years. I get it. But I think it's a really important question for us to ask. What if my next 365 days are not better than my last? What if they're worse? And don't get me wrong, I don't ask this question to be a downer or to strike fear into your hearts, but I do say it to just ask, do we have a vision for our lives to cling to? So that if things do get worse in 2022, we can continue to live with radical hope and purpose in the face of it. We need to ask the hard question, what if things do get worse so that we can actually assess whether we have a kind of hope that grounds and sustains us so that should the worst actually happen, we don't drown in despair. So I want to ask, do you have a vision for your life to cling to? Because what we need going into 2022 and beyond, it isn't false optimism. It's not these girls building empires, positive affirmations. What we need is gospel vision. What we need going into 2022 is a resilient sense of gospel vision that says even if things get worse, I trust in a God whose character is sure, whose love is unfailing, and whose purposes for the good and flourishing of humanity are unshakable. And more than that, a God who actually personally invites me to partner with him in this work of redemption and good. Because what's going to sustain us beyond the exhaustion that we're all feeling right now it isn't false optimism, but a vision for our lives to cling to, even right here in the middle of our fatigue. You can actually live with purpose even as exhausted as we all are right now. But let me tell you, it is really, really hard to live with purpose if you don't have a vision for your life to cling to. 
because we're doing this sermon series, Big Dreams, as an opportunity to share the dreams God has been placing on our hearts for encounter in 2022 and beyond. And I believe God's dream for us as a church is this, to be radically captured by the vision God has for our lives. Really simple, but we're going to unpack what that actually means. So I've created a bit of a framework for looking at exactly that. And my framework, which is also the title of this sermon, if you're taking notes, is open hearts, open hands, open homes. We love that use of alliteration and repetition. Good little preaching trick. And open hearts, hands and homes, it's all about having an encounter with Jesus that sets off a renewal work in our hearts, that leads to a practical work with our hands, which overflows into radical hospitality in our homes and lives. And I believe as we lean in, God is wanting to speak into each of these areas if we allow him to. Sound good? I can't hear you cheering, but I'm sure you are. So what I want to talk about first is open hearts, because open hearts is really the starting point for everything I'm going to talk about today. Open hearts, it's all about the internal deep transformation work that God wants to do within us in order to shape us in the image and likeness of Jesus through how we posture ourselves to have an encounter with Jesus. That might sound like a lot of preacher words thrown together, but essentially open hearts, it really just comes down to this question. How can you ensure in 2022 and beyond that your heart is open to the personal renewal work God is wanting to do in you. Because part of the gospel vision God has for our lives is he is wanting to renew our hearts through making himself intimately known to us and for us to be actively transformed in light of it. We actually see that is present in Zacchaeus' story from the passage that Lisa read earlier. In verse 3 and 4, it says, He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. By the way, I just love that Luke, the author of this, could have very, very easily just said, he climbed up a tree. No, he made a point to say he was short, and that's why I was climbing up the tree. How good. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Do you notice that scripture doesn't say Zacchaeus wanted to just see Jesus? He didn't want to just observe Jesus in a bystander kind of way. If that was true, Zacchaeus would have just remained in the crowd watching from afar. But what does scripture say? Well, let's look at verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was. It's the who in this verse we need to take note of here. Because it reveals that Zacchaeus wanted to know Jesus on a personal level. He wanted to know not just about actually, sorry, he wanted to know not just about Jesus, but actually who Jesus is. He wanted to have an intimate personal exchange that would allow him to know Jesus in a relational sense. And that, that right there is the key to living open hearted. It is an intentional kind of posturing that comes from a heart that is hungry to know and encounter Jesus in an intimate way. And so I have a couple questions for you just to reflect on in terms of this. 
First question, in 2022, what steps will you take to ensure your heart remains teachable and hungry for the presence of Jesus? In 2022, in what ways will you let God begin or continue to shape your character and form you in his image? So that is open hearts. Now let's move on to open homes. Sorry, open hands. I'm just going to skip one. Let's move on to open hands. Because open hands, it's all about how our actions, habits, and life are shaped in light of our open hearts. It's the external outworking of the internal renewal. Because another part of the vision God has for our lives is that our relationship with him would be something that deeply informs the very way we live. And even more, that the way we live would actually enrich our relationship with him. Open hands is the way in which we live surrendered to the practical work of God in our lives. It's the habits and patterns we form and the things we allow to feed into us. It's the spiritual disciplines we make space for. It's how we choose to spend our time, our money, our energy. It's the way we choose to live when we think no one is watching. And don't get me wrong, all this stuff, it it might seem very action-focused, but the point of living with open hands isn't about doing more. It isn't about doing. The focus isn't even really the action in and of itself. The focus is the God from which the action is inspired and empowered from. It's about how allowing God to take hold of our hearts creates a natural overflow that saturates our actions. Put simply, it's really just the way our inward relationship with God informs our outward ways of living. That's it. And we see this is modelled in Zacchaeus' interaction with Jesus. The thing you need to know about Zacchaeus that actually says in verse 2 is that he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Just Take note of those two things, chief tax collector and wealthy. What you need to understand about tax collectors is they worked for Rome collecting tax, hence why they're called tax collectors. But while they worked for Rome, they weren't actually paid a real wage by Rome. So the way it worked is they collected tax, but they were just expected to take a little more and pocket it for themselves. But tax collectors abused the system quite often by taking too much. And chief tax collectors, well, they were kind of like the managers who oversaw all of this happening. And they actually made a profit based on what other tax collectors collected. So the point I'm trying to make here is that scripture makes a point to say Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. But considering his position, Zacchaeus was likely only wealthy because he was benefiting from the manipulation, cheating, and poverty of others. And that's what makes Zacchaeus' response in verse 8 so radical. This is what he says, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. There is a practical work of repentance and restoration that Zacchaeus commits himself to out of a response to his encounter with Jesus. For Zacchaeus, it wasn't just a repaying back of what he'd taken, but a radical act of overflowing generosity 
prompted by having experienced the beauty of Jesus Christ. Because Zacchaeus knew it wasn't enough to have an intimate encounter with Jesus that just left his heart feeling touched and him feeling nice and warm. But actually, that Zacchaeus' action and the old ways of living had to radically transform in light of that encounter. And that is what living with open hands is all about. And so again, I just want to give you two questions just around this area to go away and reflect on personally. Here's the first one. In 2022, how are you practically going to put the internal renewal work into external action? In 2022, what unhealthy patterns of living or habitual sins do you need to let the presence of God transform? Lastly, I want to talk about open homes. And open homes, it's all about how you open up your home. Wow, shocking, I know. It's all about how you open up your life to others. It's about how you let people in to see the story God is writing in your midst so that they might wake up to the story he is writing in theirs too. Because what you need, so desperately need, to grasp about the vision God has for our lives is that it is so much bigger than just our lives. It is so much bigger than just you and I. And thank God it is. Because God's vision, it is actually this vision for the holistic renewal and redemption of all humanity and creation to be restored back to God the Father through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And it is our responsibility to live to invite others into that vision through the work of opening up our homes and lives. And I know you might be thinking, open homes is a strange concept to preach on considering our current COVID situation and all the restrictions and precautions around actually having people in your home. Yes. But open homes, it isn't just about physically opening your home. That is part of it, but much more, open homes is about open lives lived in radical hospitality. So there might be restrictions around physically opening your home to others. I just want to acknowledge that. That is the moment we're living in. But there aren't restrictions to opening up your presence, your story, your life to others. And let me tell you, there will never be restrictions to the kingdom of God. And that is the best news of all. So there's something interesting about Zacchaeus' story in this interaction in verse 5 and 6. This is what it says. When Jesus reached the spot, that is the spot where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and welcomed him gladly. Do you notice something? Zacchaeus didn't necessarily open his home to Jesus. Jesus invited himself into the home of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't initiate the invitation, quite the opposite. Zacchaeus responds in openness to the invitation first extended to him by Jesus. Do you get the point I'm making? It's that open homes is about embodying a life lived in response to the hospitality first shown to us by Jesus. Do you notice something else in the passage? 
Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. That's really interesting because nowhere in the passage does it say that Jesus was introduced to Zacchaeus by someone. What does that mean? Jesus already knew Zacchaeus' name. Can you imagine what that was like for Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was despised by his fellow Jews for being a chief tax collector. That's why later in the passage they call him sinner. Zacchaeus was probably used to people saying his name with disgust. But Jesus, in this moment, says his name with love. And it's not even that Jesus was turning a blind eye to Zacchaeus' sin and was ignoring all the ways that made him unworthy of Jesus' love. But it's actually that Jesus was staring right in the face of his brokenness and spoke love directly into it. And what's more, in this moment, by Jesus inviting himself over to the house of Zacchaeus, Jesus is saying, it's you I want to share my presence with. Zacchaeus, it is your home and your life I want the pleasure of entering into. Because I see you and I love you and I want you near, not despite your brokenness, but in the middle of it. And let me tell you, Jesus is speaking the exact same things to you right now. It is your home and your life I want the pleasure of entering into. And you might be asking, why is it? Why is it Jesus would speak those kinds of things to me? Well, let's ask Jesus that question because he gives his own answer to it in verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus has come to seek you out and to save you. And so the question I have in regards to open homes is just one, and it's this. In 2022, how are you going to open up your home, your story, and your life to others? Let me tell you a story of a time I experienced receiving this kind of hospitality. So Father's Day last year, I came to church, and a little bit of context, Father's Day, it's not a great day for me personally, for a bunch of reasons that aren't necessary getting into. But anyway, I go to church on Father's Day and I'm feeling pretty low. And then we get into the sermon and it stirs up all these emotions in me. So after church, um, I'm sitting alone and I'm doing some journaling, trying to process what's going on. And I am this ugly, crying mess, right? <laughs> what's new? And then Lisa Hunter comes up to me. By the way, Lisa is behind the camera. <laughs> Lisa Hunter comes up to me and she checks in on me and she says, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? And to be honest, I was this ugly crying mess. So I was kind of, I was being a bit blunt with her, trying to push her off a bit. <laughs> but then she, she explains that the Hunter gang are going out for this picnic for Father's Day. And she invites me, welcomes me to come along. And I turned her offer down because I was like, the last thing I want to do is be around people right now. I just want to sit and be this angsty little crying mess. So anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm continuing journaling. And then Beryl Hunter comes up to me and she checks in on me. By the way, I don't believe Lisa and Beryl had talked between themselves. And Beryl extends that exact same invitation to me. And something about that second invitation, it made me go, you know what, I probably need this. So I went along 
the hunters shouted me lunch. And as we were waiting for it, Jared, God bless Jared again by the, behind the camera. God bless Jared. As we're waiting for lunch, he's standing there and he's trying to make this small talk about what's going on in my study, what's going on in my life, and I am having none of it. I am standing there. I'm like, Jared, leave me alone. I don't want to talk. I'm being pretty blunt with him. Sorry, Jared. Anyway, we get to the park, and I was pretty withdrawn at the picnic. But the hunters didn't force me to be anyone other than me in that moment. I might have been a downer to that picnic, I probably was, <laughs> but they just came alongside me and they were present with me in my moment of heaviness. But more than that, they actually let me receive from them in my moment of heaviness. They let me receive a free lunch and their warm company. I hadn't done anything to deserve their generosity. And in fact, I didn't really deserve it at all. I'd just been this moody person towards them. But they gave it to me regardless. And in that moment, the very nature of the gospel was extended towards me through their actions. Their actions that said to me, we just want to be the family of God to you. We just want you to know you're loved, not despite your brokenness, but right here in the midst of it. And this is what I want you to understand about open homes. Every time you open up your home and open up your life to invite others in, you are echoing the very nature of the kind of hospitality God the Father has first reached out and shown us through Jesus. We open up our homes to others because God has first opened up his home to us. Because of Jesus and his glorious death and resurrection, we are freely invited into God's home to come eat at his table, to receive the love of our Heavenly Father, and to come dwell with the very presence of God. Who are we? Who am I that Jesus would look us in the face and would see every way we have declined his hospitality in our life over and over, and yet still would say, I want the pleasure of having you come sit at my table but still say, nonetheless, I want the pleasure of dining with you. Who are we? <laughs> Let me tell you, we're the beloved children of God. That's what it comes down to. The beloved children of a God who is relentless in his pursuit to have you come near. Let me tell you, one of my biggest fears in my faith and in general is that we would be a kind of people whose hearts are not stirred by this message of great love. That we would be a kind of people who are so used to this message and so calloused from the exhaustion of the past two years that we would no longer be moved by this great invitation of love. This is the God-breathed dream I have for our church that we would always be radically captured by Jesus' love and the vision he has for our lives, and that we would always live in a radical kind of response to it. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider 
and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.